It was said of the composer Wagner, and I'm going to butcher this quote, so you can probably look it up and find the accurate, ac the accurate one, that his operas had brilliant moments and very brutal half hours. Again, I didn't, I'm not getting the words right, but that's the idea. His operas, which were sometimes hours long, they were thrilled, filled with some of the most thrilling melodies, thrilling climaxes in all of the history of Western music. And yet, boy, boy, could those same music, uh, that same music could drag. And I start there because we're coming to the Gospel of John tonight. And far be it from me to ever suggest that the Gospel of John as the inspired word of God is akin to Wagner operas, okay? I don't intend to suggest that for even a moment, but I wonder sometimes whether we treat it like that. The Gospel of John is filled with some of the most thrilling metaphors and pictures of Jesus of Nazareth in our entire Bibles. And if we just started going and naming them together, you would begin identifying them readily. Perhaps the most famous verse in all the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We think of the other things that we re are revealed to us in the book of John. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the door. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. We see at the very end Thomas exclaiming to Jesus in chapter 20, my Lord and my God, bringing out the conclusion of Jesus' divinity that stands in stark contrast to every Mormon and every Jehovah's Witness and every Muslim who would deny the divinity of Jesus Christ. My Lord and my God. There are these just thrilling moments in John. But I also wonder whether you've ever had the experience of reading through some of the dialogues of John, any of the arguments of John, and just sitting and kind of scratching your head. Some of these things seem difficult to understand, difficult to comprehend, and perhaps our, our tendency might just be like a Wagner opera to tune out for a little bit and to say, well, I don't understand all of that. Let me focus on these thrilling pictures, these thrilling scenes, these thrilling descriptors. Well, I want to encourage you tonight, don't give in to that temptation. Because all scripture is inspired, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, it is God-breathed and it is profitable. And we, as being students of the Word of God, should not merely, as we have said over and over again here, pluck verses out of context from the Bible, but instead, we should place them in the context that God breathed them and do our very best, prayerfully and thoughtfully, to understand. And I start there because we're at tonight one of the most famous verses in the Gospel of John. John read for us tonight, right at the end of our reading here, verse 31, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And now quote it with me. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That is 
It is something that probably many of you have been hearing and enjoying and savoring for years, if not decades, if not most of your life. You've known that verse, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And did you ever stop and understand the context? Did you ever dive in to what Jesus is really saying when he is challenging us? If you continue, literally abide, if you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you, those who abide in my word, those who continue in my word, then you will know the truth and you will be free. Tonight I want to dive in to what Jesus is arguing here in this passage that John read for us. Jesus is arguing with the Jews of his day. He is debating his own identity, who he is. In fact, in verse 25, the beginning of our text this evening, then said they unto him, who are you? Who art thou? Who are you? And Jesus is going to tell him, I'm going to tell you exactly who I am. And it's in the context of Christ's identification of who he is that one of his most famous words ever is given. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. The title of the message tonight is Continue in His Word. Continue in His Word. And what I want to do tonight is place these words in the context in which they're given. And I really have one and only one purpose or goal tonight. I want to remind you that in Jesus Christ, you have access to God that is not just for you to enter in to the kingdom of God, but that access in and through Jesus Christ is your only hope for maintaining a fruitful walk with him. You say, I know that. I've heard that over and over. Well, maybe tonight there's someone here who just needs to be reminded that your access to the Father by Jesus Christ is what you need this week to know the truth and for that truth to free you in the way that you live. We're going to bring this out in just three parts, as we often do. And we're going to start by talking about the authority of Christ. The authority of Christ. Again, in verse 25, the, the Jews ask him, Who are you? Now, of course, Jesus could answer this question in many different ways. Ways And I was thinking, as I was preparing this message, how I would describe what exactly Jesus identifies himself as. Because you'll notice with me in verse 25, Then said they unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus saith unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. So that requires us to step back and say, Well, who did Jesus say that he was from the beginning? Well, let's start with what the very first verse John read for us tonight for context. Verse 12. Will you look with me at verse 12 and identify who Jesus said he was in verse 12? Someone shout it out. 
the light of the world. Okay? I am the light. Who are you? The same that I said unto you from the beginning. What did I say to you from the beginning? I'm the light of the world. Okay, well, if you went back one chapter to chapter 7, will you look with me at verse 37 and 38? What is Jesus identifying himself as in verse 37 and 38? Water. He is the living water. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. So who is he identifying himself as? He's the light. Who is he? He is the living water. Now go back to chapter 6. And there's many places that we could look at this, but I'll just pull verse 35. If you look at chapter 6 and verse 35, who is he identifying himself as? The bread of life. Again, these are public testimonies that Jesus is making to who he is. He is the light of the world. He is the water of the world. He is the bread of the world, of spiritual life. And really where this culminates in John chapter 8 is if you'll look with me then, in a few verses, go back to chapter number 8. And notice what he says in verse 28. Will you see? He said, They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he. Now, if you look in your King James Bible, what is the, what is the, um, the text there that is rendered he? In what, in what font is that provided? Italics. What does that mean in our King James Bible? The word is not in the original Greek. It is added by the translators as an, a, as an attempt to make sense in English of the Greek meaning. But there is no corresponding he, I am he in the Greek. It literally in the Greek is this. You shall know that I am. Now does that ring any bells for you? How did God identify himself to his people in the Old Testament? You tell the Israelites, he says to Moses, that I am sent you. Do you remember at, at, in, at another place in the Gospels when Jesus says to, his, 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 to, to, to these Jews, in fact, right here in, verse, in chapter 8 and verse 58, the Jews say unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Any person who wants to argue with you about whether Jesus claimed his own divinity, you could take them here. This is an unmistakable claim from Jesus to be God, the I am. Why do, we, why do we know that? Because they took up stones and they tried to throw it at him. They knew what he was saying. They were saying, you're blaspheming by calling yourself God. What is he testifying to? What is his identification? I am. I am the self-existing one. Where did John chapter 1 start? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I'm the I am. I'm the light of the world. I'm the bread of life. I'm the living water. I'm the door, he'll say. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am. 
That's how to summarize it. I am. But notice also what he is clarifying to them. Will you look with me now in verse 25? They said unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus saith unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning, I am. I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true. He that sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. So not only is he the one, the I am, he is sent from God. He is God, and he is sent, if you will, from God. He is speaking to them of the Father. Now, why is this important? Because you have to understand what was at the heart of Jesus' ministry on earth. Notice how often he deflects the ultimate authority for what he's doing and saying from himself to his Father. He sent me. I am speaking what he told me. Now, don't be confused by this. There are some people, I think, in our, in our Christian experience who get confused. I don't, am I praying to the Father? Am I praying to the Son? You have to realize they're God. The Father is God. The Son is God. And yet if we ignore the persons of God, we're ultimately missing really what Jesus came to communicate to us, right? I am from the Father, and I am speaking the words from the Father because Jesus is introducing us to the Father. That is ultimately the great heart of Jesus, the Son of man. And so he is identifying his authority not solely in himself. He's saying it is the Father's authority. It is his word. I am a mouthpiece. I am a channel from him. And notice what he says then in verse 28. When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am. I am he and that I do nothing of myself. Think about those words. I do nothing of or from myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. Now think about that remarkable statement. I do nothing of myself. Here's really what he's meaning. He does nothing of his own accord. He was never a lone ranger, a lone wolf. He was never off under the guise of his connection to God, but operating under his own motives, for his own purpose, through his own words. He was always completely in sync. I do nothing of myself. Now, I want to just pause there for just a moment and ask whether you believe that at the very core of your being when it comes to Jesus of Nazareth. I mean, really believe that at the very core of your being. He is God. He came from God. And he faithfully proclaimed to us the words of God. Do you believe all of those things? He is God. He came from God. And he faithfully, perfectly proclaimed the message of God. This is the heart of John. In the beginning was the word. The word. The logos. Who is Jesus? The word. The message from God. The communication from God to man. And that word was with God. And that word indeed was God. This is at the heart of our faith. It is his authority. 
Now notice secondly here what I'm going to call the awareness of Christ. There's the authority of Christ. He is identifying himself to these Jews who are opposing him. But notice what he says then about his awareness. Look with me at verse 29. After he says, I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. Look at verse 29. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. Now let that settle into your hearts for just a minute. I do always those things that please him. I just want to break these up again into three ideas. Jesus was perfectly aware of the purpose of God. The purpose of God for which he came into the world. He sent me. I'm speaking his things. He was fully aware of the purpose that God had for him ultimately to be lifted up as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. But notice also what he was aware of. The presence of God. The presence of God. Notice again verse 29. He that sent me is with me. Jesus knew that God was with him at all times and that he never left him alone. There was not one time, with the exception of one, when God left his son alone. When did God leave his son alone? On the cross, when he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This is the very essence of this awareness of Christ walking in a fellowship with his Father in which he knew perfectly the purpose. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. I must. This is my purpose. This is my calling. The presence of God. He is always with me. He has never left me alone. And notice thirdly, you can probably guess maybe the P word that's coming, the pleasure of God. You see, why does he say the Father does not leave me alone? He explains, for, because I do always those things that please him. Now, have you, how often do you think of a God that is pleased or displeased by what you are doing in any given moment? How often do you? Jesus had the awareness of his Father's smile beaming always on him. He received it at his baptism. When the heavens are opened and the Spirit of God comes, descends on him like a dove, and this voice thunders from heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus always pleased God. And I wanted to connect these two words very briefly. I do nothing of myself. Nothing. For I do always those things that please him. Let those two words sink in for a descriptor of your life and mine. I do nothing of myself. For I do always, always those things that please him. Do you know those two words are going to go absolutely together in your Christian life? Nothing of yourself, of your own accord, of your own motives, of your own purposes. Always doing what pleases him. This was the great awareness of Christ, of the, of the, the fellowship, the communion that he had 
with Almighty God. The authority of Christ. I am the one. The awareness of Christ. He is always with me. I am always pleasing him in what I do. And that's why third, now, I want to come to what I'm going to call the access through Christ. The access through Christ. Now, we are ready to go into these famous verses together. Will you look with me in verse 30? As he spake these words, which words? When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am he. Then shall you know that I am, that I have the Father's authority. Many believed on him. And now look at Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples. Indeed, notice the condition there. If you continue, literally abide. Same word that's used when Jesus says, Abide in me. Abide in me. John chapter uh, 15. Abide in me. If you abide in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Don't miss what he's saying there, friend. There are people here who had professed a faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus is communicating to them as he's communicating to us. What does it mean to be truly, to be indeed my disciple, indeed my follower. It is to abide, it is to continue in my word. Now let's break that apart just very simply. Notice that Jesus does not say my words. He says my word. So what, what, is, what does that matter? That word there, word, is logos. If you continue, abide in my logos. In the beginning was the Logos. And the Logos was with God. And the Logos was God. Friend, what was Jesus' word? What was his Logos? We just looked at it in the authority section that we studied here tonight. What was his word? I am. That was his word. I am he. I am the one. I am the bread of life. I am the living water. I am the door. I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. What was the word, the logos of Jesus? It was, I am the anointed messenger of God. I am God. I am sent from God. I have the authoritative, accurate word of God for your salvation. So what does it mean to continue in his word? Again, I don't believe from this that he's just simply talking about the compendium of everything he ever said, all his words. If you continue in all of my words, friends, the challenge is that you and I don't do so well on that all the time, do we? On every single thing he ever said. What is it to continue in his word? Who he is. I am. I am he. If you continue in my word that came from God about who I am, then are you truly his disciple. But then notice this, will you? Verse 32. 
and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. This is what I'm calling the conduit. There's the condition here. If you continue, you abide in your conviction about who I am. Then are you my disciples. And then in that persuasion, that conviction of who Jesus is, you will know the truth. Now I want to take you back just for one connection here and I hope we're not being too too intellectual here tonight I want to get practical in just one moment but let's keep on working through this for us to understand it if you'll go back with me to verse 25 where we started then said they unto him who art thou and Jesus saith unto them even the same that I said unto you from the beginning it's the I am I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me, now read those next two words, is true. Is true. He that sent me is true. And now he says, if you continue in my word, the authoritative message of God, you will be my disciples, my learners, my students, and you will know the truth. What's the truth? The truth about who God is. He that sent me is true. He has sent the true words. You will know the truth about who the Father is as a conduit from me, the Son, as my disciple. You will know the truth and the truth shall make you free. What does freedom look like? in Jesus' eyes. What does it mean to live free? Do you know he's going to give us a hint? Let's keep on going. It's outside of our text, but I think it will help us. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? We're already free. But notice what Jesus puts his finger on. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever commits sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abides not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. What's the primary freedom he's discussing here? Freedom from what? Freedom from sin. A freedom to live a victorious Christian life. A freedom to experience deliverance from your fleshly experience of failure. And you say, well, why is that so relevant? Because it connects us back to Jesus' own awareness. Do you see? What did Jesus say? I know my purpose is to do the will of Him that sent me. And I know His presence, that He is with me, that He has not left me alone. And why is that? Because I know His pleasure. I always do those things that please Him. Jesus lived an entirely, perfectly free life. And now He comes to you and says, Do you want to know the truth? Do you want to live in freedom from your bondage to sin? Then what? Continue in my word. Abide in my word. And what's my word? Who I am. I'm the light. I'm the bread. I'm the living water. I'm the door. 
Do you want to walk in victory in your Christian life? It's not going to part, come apart from the conviction that Jesus is the I am who brings you to the Father. No one comes to the Father but by me. In whose eyes, in whose words, you see the truth. You know the truth, and the truth makes you free. Now let me pause there for just one moment. Are you, in your daily Christian life, continuing in the authoritative conviction that Jesus is the I am in whom you have access to God and in whose truth you can be made free to live and please God and dwell in the presence of God. I know him. He does not leave me alone. Why? Because I am walking in fellowship with him. Is that the way that you and I think of our daily Christian life? Here's the point that I want to make. We think of these things, and I bet I didn't tell you anything new. I don't know that I told anyone here something new that you'd never heard before. Oh, Jesus is the, the door. Jesus is the access. We sing it in the straight gate song. Jesus is the gate. Jesus is the way that leads direct to God. That's, that's basic Christianity, ABCs. Yes, it is. But what I want to say is this. It's not just for entering into the gate. Oh, I have to believe that Jesus is he in order to be saved. Yes, you do. Jesus said, if you, if you don't believe that I am he, you'll die in your sins. Tonight, we read that. If you don't believe that I am he, you'll die in your sins. Correct. But my point is this. Are you continuing in that authoritative conviction about who Jesus is for your daily Christian life? Let me see if I can bring a couple things to bear here before we close. First, I'd, I invite you to turn over to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Notice verse 19. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 19. The author of Hebrews says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest, the holiest place, the true intimacy of fellowship with God by the blood of Jesus. How do you get into fellowship with God? By the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way which He has consecrated for us. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Through the veil, that is to say, His flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God. Look at verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. In full assurance of faith. Can I say I think what he's, in part at least what he's saying there, he's saying that tomorrow when you get on your knees to speak to God in prayer or however you're going to have your quiet time this morning, you're going to draw near to God in a true heart of faith if you want to really have communion with God tomorrow. And how are you going to do that? What is your faith? What is your conviction? That you are coming by the blood of Jesus. That you are approaching God not in any way connected to your own merit, but entirely because the I am has opened the path for you. You see what a difference that might make? I'll testify to that. 
How many times have you intended to get to prayer in the morning and your mind was hopelessly scattered? It felt like you were praying into a, a, a thick ceiling, a thick blanket above you. How many times have we come to prayer meeting and we've, our minds have been filled with all the busyness of the day and everything we've got going on and people start praying around us and it's just like bouncing off our ears and bouncing off our hearts. We can't get into the mood. There's nothing that we can do. Do you know what we need to do? Draw near with a, with a, with a full assurance of faith. That's why very often what I'll begin my prayer time with in the morning is simply saying, God, I come to you by the blood of Jesus. By the Spirit of God, bring me into the presence of God. A words along those lines. By the Spirit of God, bring me into the presence of God. What are you doing to gain access to the presence of God? What are you doing to continue in His authoritative word? It is to be resting grounded that you have access by the blood of Jesus. That Jesus is, if you will, the password, the ticket, the code by which you approach the Father and you will be welcomed into his presence. Turn over a couple chapters to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. And look with me very interestingly at verse number 15. Again, I'm not trying to just bring out some some mumbo-jumbo, hocus-pocus, some, some creative thought. This is what Scripture encourages us. Will you look with me in verse 15 of Hebrews chapter 13? He says, By Him, that's speaking of Jesus, By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. By Him. Have you ever gotten here to church? to sing the hymns and you open the hymn book and there was nothing in your heart that was allowing you to sing praise to God, you felt utterly dead spiritually. You sat under the preaching of God's word and you just said, it's just bouncing off. There's, there's nothing here for me. And then we come to Hebrews 13 and 15 and it says, by him offer the sacrifice of praise to God. By him. What does that mean? It means when you open your hymn books to sing in church, you should be coming by the blood of Jesus to say, God, I'm coming you to you to worship. I'm drawing near to you with a full heart, with a full assurance of faith in what Jesus has done. And I'm coming by him to offer the sacrifice of praise to God. Listen to what he says. The fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. By him. That's faith. I'm coming by Jesus. Is that the way we approach God with our sacrifice of worship, whether it's in these pews or at home? Turn over with me to Romans chapter 5, will you? Romans chapter 5. We're jumping around here, but I think we're all reaching the same kind of conviction about what it looks like to continue in His Word, to abide in the authoritative proclamation that He is the one. And look with me at verse 1, Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through our Lord. He is, he is the key. By whom? By Jesus. Do you see that? By Jesus also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. 
Do you see that? It is the grace in which we stand in our Christian lives. How do we have access by that grace in which you are standing in your Christian life today and this week? By Him. By Jesus. You know what that tells me? It tells me if you want to have victory over sin this week, besetting sin that's holding you back, you better be coming to God in the grace in which Jesus gives you access. God, I'm coming to you in the name of Jesus. I'm coming to you by the access I have through him into this grace and I am standing by faith in who he is and what he has done for me. Abiding in his word is the continuing daily conviction of the authority of Christ. He is God. He was sent from God and he has given us the authoritative, authoritative access to God. One more thing. Will you turn over to Colossians chapter 3? Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, and we'll start with verse 16. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you. Huh. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. Continue in my word. The authoritative word of who Jesus is. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do, whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Have you ever wondered what it is to give thanks, to do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus? Think about it a little bit like this. You may have heard the news recently that one of the most senior executives at 3M Company was fired, was terminated within the last week or so. And the news came out that apparently he had been busted for solicitation, prostitution. And I thought about that of, of someone who is identified with 3M. He has the 3M name badge. He is known at 3M. He is operating at work under the name 3M. He is almost synonymous with 3M in his senior position. And yet there was a time in his personal life in which he strayed so far from what 3M could tolerate. He did not solicit that individual in the name of 3M. Or if you think about it another way, when you think about a sports athlete who walks around a, 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 a ball field with the name of the Twins or the Vikings or the Timberwolves across his chest, he is operating in the name of that team and he is held to a certain standard by which to represent them. And in the same way, 
the authoritative name of Jesus is that which we wear across our chest. And it is as if God is saying to us, do everything in the name of Jesus Christ with him emblazoned across your words and your deeds and your actions rooted in what? The authoritative confidence in who Jesus is and what access he has given to you, to God. Do you see here? What does it mean? What does it mean to abide in his word? It means to be utterly convinced about who he is. To be utterly persuaded about the access you have to the Father through him. And as a result, the very daily dependence on him. Relying on the access that he has given you to God. Let me ask you tonight, again, are you convinced that Jesus is God? That he was sent from God? That he, is, that he came to faithfully proclaim the word of God? And if you are, this week, will you Continue in that conviction. Continue in that word. Coming to him by faith and receiving the freedom that he is willing to provide to you in the truth.